Blog Talk Radio. We are the UR Tennis Network. Our mission is to be the voice of tennis. We enlist a team of passionate enthusiasts to promote our sport. We strive to bring interesting perspectives on the many spins of tennis. Our goal is to provide the learners of our sport with current news and information from many angles. We seek active participation from communities interested in tennis, but tennis is not interested in them. We are expanding our outreach. Tennis is a true lifetime sport that needs to be talked about, and the UR Tennis Network pledges to pursue this idea relentlessly. Good afternoon, tennis fans, especially you high school tennis fans. Welcome to the Yellow Ball Network, where you'll find all your tennis news. This is your host, Coach Denise, bringing you the FHS TCA perspective on high school tennis. We're kind of the new kid on the block. This is only our second year. And we want to thank our CEO of the organization, J.P. Weber, for allowing us to be part of the broadcast. Uh, Lisa Stone on Tuesdays, her parent and Aces uh, show, I think has been on for over five years. And, of course, um, on Wednesdays at noon, American Tennis with Chuck Reese, uh, his show's in his fifth year, too. So uh, hopefully we will um, be able to uh, bring, uh, hopefully get to their level sometime, but uh, we're practicing and we're getting on our show, each week you could be hearing from high school, college, or professional coaches or tennis pros. Our guests will include educators, organization leaders from the FACA, PTR, USPTA, USTA, and other organizations, including our partners. Uh, on the, our broadcast can't help but to occasionally overlap the other great tennis broadcasts since high school tennis is is an after if it is an after school sport and not an after school activity, we should be building a bridge from recreational to competitive tennis, which could be the pathway to a continuing rewarding lifetime experience for our players. We are blessed to have partners like Wilson Tennis. A leader for over a hundred years, and uh, I must say that I've seen a good part of that in over 76 years. Um, I wish I could be around for the next uh, hundred years, but I don't think the Almighty's going to allow that. But I'm sure they're going to continue to do uh, great things. And uh, Team Connection Tennis, the FHS TCA Clothier. Uh, they are an important part of our organization at the end of this season when we run the All-Star uh, Tournament for the high school players in Florida and we try to send them off to college with good memories. They always look good and the coaches look good because Team Connection Tennis is dressing them. Uh, Florida Tennis Magazine, uh, a major part of uh, tennis you will find a High school information in there, but of course you'll find tennis information from across the country in there. And uh, we're proud to uh, be able to uh, write an article or two in there every uh, issue. And matter of fact, uh, 
and an issue that should be coming out next week. Uh, we will be uh, talking about the question, is high school tennis an after-school sport or an after-school activity? It will be a two-part uh, article because uh, there is a lot to say and there's a lot of us uh, to blame uh, for those places where it's not an after-school sport. So, and also I've been questioned about what do I mean about that, and uh, hopefully in the next couple issues we will explain that. Uh, Flagler Insurance, a major part of our all-star tournament and our programs, uh, they uh, also uh, had hoped to bring us our first award luncheon, but Hurricane Matthew uh, put the kibosh on uh, that with the hurricane, but we will be having our uh, workshop in Daytona Beach. It'll be on uh, January 5th, 6th, and 7th. Uh, the FACA Spring Tennis Clinic is part of their uh, training. Uh, we will be at the uh, Daytona Beach Hilton Ocean Walk Resort. Uh, get your reservations in in the next week uh, or so in order to guarantee the uh, uh, special pricing we have on the hotel. Uh, Thursday, as you know, will be uh, indoor uh, classroom presentations. We'll have Tan Hanks uh, from uh, the USTA Florida talking about high school tennis programming and working together. Uh, Dr. John Posner will be sports, uh, our sports psychologist, will be talking uh, uh, on psychology for high school tennis. He's the author of Smart Tennis. And, of course, uh, you'll hear from another author uh, today on there. And Bobby Glennecke, the president of the Texas uh, Tennis Coaches Association, will be coming in to talk about the blast uh, growing high school uh, tennis. Uh, toward the end of our broadcast, I'll give you a Saturday and Sunday encore presentation. I mentioned before about Wednesday's uh, broadcast with the legend Chuck Creasy. Well, the, uh, Chuck Creasy will be our featured speaker uh, for Friday and Saturday uh, doing uh, encore uh, presentations, and it should be an exciting uh, workshop as past. As past. Uh, I've been blessed to um, be able to be associated with some outstanding uh, people, and I think that uh, this will be uh, no exception, uh, this workshop. At the end of the show, if we do have time, I will give you the John Denise perspective uh, because it is different, and I, I can't speak for the Florida High School Tennis Coaches Association. Uh, we do disagree, like any organizations, there are diverse opinions, and uh, I think uh, it's important to sit there and battle for your opinion. And I think uh, for um, my years as being president and then the executive director and training uh, coordinator for the organization, I try to keep the, an open mind and try to encourage uh, conversation. And once we, once you leave the organization, and if you get outvoted, then I think you should be able to support the will of the organization. And I'm proud of the, our members, and I think we do that pretty well. Uh, as many of you know, 
I, I'm still privileged today. I haven't uh, met personally uh, our guest today, but uh, he has uh, an outstanding book, uh, the Little Green Book of Tennis, and those of you that know me uh, know that I was never a big trophy uh, person. Uh, the 20 years I coached high school, uh, rather than giving trophies out, I gave books out, and I, uh, you know, wrote in the books uh, my messages, who I thought the MVPs were and most valuable players, and what the contributions of those people. So I, like everybody else, have a bias, and uh, so I love having people on there. And I I haven't read uh, uh, his uh, uh, first book, but uh, the title uh, just fascinates me. I'm going to have to look it up. In 2008, uh, Tom Parham wrote his first book, and it was Play is Where Life Is. Does that not sound like a fantastic title? Uh, I, I, I will find that, and uh, I think I have Tom on now. Let me see if I can get him on and properly introduce him and have him introduce himself. Tom, are you there? Yes, uh, Coach. I'm right here, uh, willing and waiting for you. Good. I'm yes, sorry sir. to keep you waiting. I won't keep you waiting anymore. Uh, I would like to, Then uh, you can fill in. I'm going to ask you to fill in, but there, I think there's a few things that people uh, uh, should uh, know uh, about you, that you, you've not only served as a tennis coach, but you were also the athletic director at uh, Athletic uh, Christian College, which is uh, now Byron College in Wilson, and, of course, uh, you're a, a legend at Elan uh, College where you uh, were not only a professor there, but uh, you coached the uh, tennis team. And, um, I, I, and I guess primarily that's where you got your idea of sharing winning techniques and uh, uh, about the great game of tennis and uh, the little green book of tennis. I would ask you, if you would, to uh, sit there and give a little more background on yourself. And then I have a couple of questions. I'd, I'd like to have a conversation with you about the book and about your experiences because you have a lifetime full of them. Thank you, sir. Um, you mentioned uh, play is where life is. I, uh, Just as a matter of background, I was uh, from my father was a Baptist minister here in North Carolina and a lot of people know what that means. He was pretty strict. Uh, I got started playing all kinds of sports, and um, typical of my era, which was the mid to late 50s in high school, I played football, basketball, and baseball. And you know, that's what you played at that time. Um, there was not a tennis court in uh, my hometown. My father, incidentally, as a minister even, had played for Wake Forest in 1928. And I didn't even I didn't even know that for a long time. But um, I didn't like I say I did not uh, have a, the kind of background um, that a lot of good tennis people have, and a lot of our great coaches now have got so much more experience, and they were better players. Um, yeah, I've got a little cold problem, so excuse me, uh, John, in the audience. Uh, <clears throat> I um, 
I then um, I, what I really wanted to do was play quarterback for Wake Forest, but they didn't want me as much as I wanted them. So I had to go to really a second sport for me, which was college basketball. And I went and played for a really good uh, school, a little school that, uh, like you say, changed its name from Atlantic Christian to Barton College. And it, um, it was a great little place to learn. And it really is uh, the reason for the for the title to that book. Uh, we had a really fine uh, man named Ed Cloyd, who was our PE chair, physical education chairman. And Mr. Cloyd had that sign over his uh, office door, play is where life is. And um, so the first book I wrote, I had no idea that I was going to be a writer of any kind. I was an English major, and I had uh, done some uh, professional writing, but I didn't know I was going to write a book that was really uh, half humorous and personal and then I included a second half of the book on tennis. It really was two books, and it was sort of a bad format. It sold pretty good, and people liked it, but um, it it wasn't what I wanted uh, as far as a good tennis uh, instruction book for players and high school players and coaches and teams. Uh, <clears throat> the fortunate thing that happened to me with tennis was Mr. Cloyd was a very good player, and we built uh, six courts on campus for the first time. And I began to fiddle with it a little bit in a physical education class. And then I began to enjoy playing just on a recreation basis. Not a very good player, but really did enjoy playing. And I wound up playing on the college team for two years. It was not a great team, but... uh, I did the best I could, and I got started in loving the people in it and the the uh, game itself. Um, I really, because I had had a, uh, a background in sports, all sports, uh, I was a pretty good athlete, I was a pretty good basketball player, and uh, was um, a good student, and that enabled me to get a grant to get my master's degree. I went to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and um, spent a year there sort of playing, but what was good there was Don Skakel and uh, the University of North Carolina Tar Heels, and the highlight of the year was playing uh, uh, Miami. Uh, they played one year, uh, that year that I was in graduate school, and they had about 5,000 people watch the match. Miami, of course, was, I guess, Dale Lewis was the coach, and uh, their team was too good for Carolina, and that was a, a rarity because the Tar Heels were, were good, and I got to know Coach Don Skakel, uh, who was a long-time and very su- uh, successful coach there. Um, I was just given the job as the tennis coach. I really was the assistant basketball coach, and I was a teacher, and I taught eight different classes. I, goodness, I look at it now, and I was in the gym, single, uh, 23, 24 years old. I was a head coach, and uh, I was in the gym from 7.30 in the morning till 10.30 at night, and it was tough, but I learned a lot about all all facets of the business. And small colleges uh, offer a unique um, opportunity for a special kind of education, and Mr. Cloyd was the leader in uh, in that and uh, earned my admiration both as a student and as a colleague on his staff. Um, 
just as a uh, a coincidence, the thing that really turned me around, I thought I was doing pretty good. I I knew how to discipline athletes. I knew uh, how to motivate them, how to uh, condition them. Uh, and we're, my team was was doing very well. I was really, really lucky early on that we got some good kids just sort of coincidentally. We were not putting any scholarship money in it, and we were not um, in no high-level recruiting. I, I knew very little about how to where the, the good players were, but we began to collect a few good ones, and then two things happened. I got a real, really good player to come on board, um, it was sort of a bell cow for us, and I went to the basketball clinic. North Carolina has a, what they call the East-West uh, Athletic Sports Clinic, and they they had just two sports for a long time, uh, football and basketball. But this year they added, uh, this particular year, which was about 1970, they added um, tennis. And so I went to the first clinic, tennis clinic for coaches. I I, I thought I knew it all, and. Lo and behold, there was Jim Layton, who was, uh, some of you real tennis people will recognize what a fine gentleman and really great teacher uh, Coach Layton was. And he was at a little public park down there with a, a kid on his team, and they, they started a clinic which included four people, um, myself and three other coaches. In 20 minutes, two of them left, and at lunchtime, uh, the other guy left. They they didn't know what was going on up there. Um, this man really knew what he was doing. And at lunch, I I said to him, I said, "Now, coach, you're, this thing's scheduled to go to three o'clock, but I'm the only guy here, and and um, uh, you certainly don't have to stay." And he said, "No, I'll stay here till you're ready to leave." And that began a real relationship, uh, Coach John, with a, a really dear man who. I took all my um, all my conference monies, clinic monies, and I would go sit on his back porch and go to his practices. And uh, we went to New York to those clinics. And um, he had a job as a teaching pro, and I watched all of that part of it. And uh, that was a tremendous uh, um, opportunity for me to have that kind of mentor. Who uh, he later told Alan Morris. He said he really doesn't know a whole lot, but he knows more than he did, and he really tries hard. And that's all it took for him to to give me an awful lot of attention. And I I made the background of my body of knowledge as a coach, and it paid off. I came along right at the time when um, television, you remember open tennis and television, and it fit so well. Uh, tennis fit on TV, and next thing you know, you got two guys named McEnroe and Connors, and they're on television for five hours. So that was a great way to learn. Um, there were I did it at all levels. I ran the recreation program. I was a club pro. I ran the intramural programs, taught it. Uh, our, our kind of level uh, didn't pay much money, but, uh, boy, you got all the experience that you wanted. So without even – knowing really uh, what the tennis world was all about, lo and behold, my team, we were in the, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, and um, that was the NAI, and of course Florida had some great, great NAI schools, and uh, Peter Scott was there at Flagler, and 
Oh, you had Barry and Lynn and North Florida, and we all played those guys. My teams played 28 national tournaments, and so I not only got to experience that, we we won three times, and we were in the top five about 12, 13 times. We were right in the mix of it, and um, it was a real learning experience and probably learned more at that time uh, from a man named Jim Veridick, who was the University of Redlands coach. And he won 22 national championships. Uh, and the reason he could do that is he was in the Florida in the Division Three, and they didn't uh, they they provided free education, so he was eligible for Division Three. So he take those uh, sure really I, really good. Pardon? I, I was just saying I, I what I admired about this here is uh, one of the things that I've preached about and I and of course we try to do what our uh training of the Florida coaches is that uh you don't have to be a great tennis player to be a, a great coach. Uh, and like you I came from basketball beforehand and I just I stopped because I didn't want to coach my uh, son in uh high school but I thought I got involved in tennis because I thought it was great cross training. But I think so many people you know, it's the effort you put in, and you put in the people that I think the great coaches are coaches that are the people that came in love for the game and not for the money. And uh, it's obvious that that's what uh, you did. I, I know I got involved with coaching high school with an athletic director that, in a way, conned me because I was president of the PTR Florida Association. And then those days, a lot of people were saying, "Don't let your good players go to high school because the high school is going to ruin them. And I said, that's a lot of bull. Most of these people not even are going to be able to play college tennis, and they're sure not going to be pros. Don't deprive them of that. And the athletic director, Mike Stutsky, uh, said, why don't you put your money where your mouth is? And I said, what do you mean? He said, why don't you take over the uh, tennis program? So, I love where you come from, and uh, and I think that's important. I would like to get into a little of what inspired you to write the uh, book, though, uh, you know, the uh, Little Green Book on uh, tennis. Um, well, if you <clears> – <throat> I completed my career and uh, retired. I live at the beach of uh, Emerald Isle in North Carolina, and you have winter down here, Coach, and it's not as warm as it is there. And um, I began to, uh, I, to be perfectly honest, I got hurt a little bit. I cannot run at all. And I'm 76 years old, as you say. And um, so I started messing with golf. And then somebody said, you, can, you can't learn anything from a golf book, but you've got to read a lot of golf books to learn that. So I was trying hard to get where I could play decent. And I read... Um, Harvey Pinnock's Little Red Book of Golf. Now, I don't know whether you're aware of that book or um, know of the significance here, but I, I would like to take a minute to explain that. Coach Pinnock was a Texas. He lived out there in Fort Worth, and he was he coached Crenshaw and Kite and was a great old tennis uh, teaching pro, real gentleman. And he had a son named Tinsley, and in order to um, make himself uh, uh, calm, uh, at ease, 
he started writing down all the really fine, real short tips for golfers. And he put them in a little spiral notebook, just plain line notebook, and locked them up in his safe. He would not let anybody read them, including his wife and his son. And um, they eventually said, now, Coach uh, Pinnock, this stuff is too good. And he published it as Harvey Pinnock's Little Red Book of Golf. And it became the number one all-time golf book seller. So... I read that book, and I began to what began to strike me. He, he would say things like "clip the tee," or "swing the club like a sling blade," or "take dead aim." And I'm thinking, all this stuff he's saying sounds like Coach Layton. And so I began to uh, think, this man is the method. He has shown it. I think it's not only for golf, tennis, and sports. I think it's a way to teach which are simple, uh, clear-cut, provable, time-honored, successful tips. And so uh, they were not in any fashion. I didn't put them down in any any flowing manner, but there are 180 tips that that was the message of Jim Layton and um, Jim Verdick at Redlands and 28 national tournaments and working in a tennis camp for 35 years and teaching uh, beginning women in recreation. What were the things that really made a difference? And then the same thing for coaches and the same thing for uh, the teams, for the the, uh, interrelationship and the real value of playing for team tennis. And the real turning point for me and the reason it's done really well and I'm very proud of it. Um, what happened was I, I, I laid awake one night and thought, you know, I, there's a, too many people that know so much more about this than me personally. And I kept saying, I'm I'm just not uh, highly qualified enough to be telling people. And then it dawned on me that I wasn't talking about what I knew at all. What I knew is what these guys knew. They were master teachers. They were Chet and Bill Murphy. They were um, uh, People, Alan Morris, they were Don Skakel, uh, and it was a collective um, knowledge that we in the South put together. And I uh, had the ability to write that, and I said, I, I owe it to Coach Layden. He told me one time, he said, if you will write a good book, it will be much more valuable to tennis than winning all these national championships you're trying to win. And I promised him, Coach, that I would do it, and I'm really proud of the fact that I did it. I know a lot of people can do it. And a lot of people could do it, but I did it. And so I, I'm proud of that fact. Now, what happened to that book is that the North Carolina Tennis Foundation, um, they had a 20-person panel that read it and then approved it for all high school coaches in North Carolina. So we provided the book to 711 coaches, and that became a, a little bit of a project to try to help uh, what un- has unfolded is that uh, there are many other ways to help uh, high school tennis. You've been doing it for years. I read your uh, website. You got, uh, got you're uh, miles ahead of people. So it isn't like something hasn't happened before. But I I think we've got uh, we've gotten dormant in some ways. And the other thing that uh, became aware 
uh, to me is what's happened in technology. There's so many ways now that we can provide a resource center for all kinds of good instruction. So we're building now, we're building what we call a resource center. We're going to provide the Little Green Book uh, on ebook, and we're going to try to, I'm going to try to get them to give it to every kid that plays high school tennis in North Carolina. And right now it's uh, the book is on, on ebook. Then you have that as well as all the other good information. Um, put it all in a readable, uh, uh, compact website that any kid can go to. Make sure you know how to make it accessible to everybody. And then from that, uh, then there's the sky's the limit. I, I would like to activate all our Hall of Fame tennis players to not just write a check, but to come in here and uh, help a coach, uh, shoot, show them how to string a racket, buy them a sweeping broom. There's any number of ways that I think that our, our really good people have not been asked to do anything. We ask them to write a check, and, and that's about it. So you, you've hit a nerve with me. Uh, we're we're uh, complimenting each other. But what, what I see is that uh, high school tennis is a very valuable link in the whole process. And I don't mean to knock the academies. I don't mean to knock the USTA. But our great players came out of a family model. Nobody cares anymore about the kids than the parents. Nobody will do more for them, watch them, take care of them. <clears throat> and Amen. John Everett and Chris Everett are a perfect example. Uh, Connors and his mother, if you go back and look at all the players that we had in the 70s, uh, there are two things that are really, really glaring. One is uh, they had a college experience of some sort and they were given a, a scholarship so now uh, you get on real touchy ground because about the time that I started uh, and going to national tournaments that's when they uh, eliminated the restriction on international students and you know what's happened there so I, I think we need to make some real concerted effort to making scholarships available to our kids, I've thought that I'm myopic about it. Uh, people uh, wonder why I've voiced so much uh, concern about it. And let me tell you right off the bat, I love the international kids. I had a lot of them. I married a Canadian, so I don't see it as xenophobic or uh, uh, wrong to simply provide, off the top of our monies, money for our own kids. That doesn't mean a kid from an, uh, an international kid couldn't get a scholarship. It doesn't mean that he couldn't play. Uh, if he came over here, paid his own way, nobody should tell that kid he can't play. And I've personally had some great ones. Uh, uh, the University of Florida is hosted in Roland Thornquist, who I brought from Sweden over here. So I don't, I don't claim any um, that I, I'm uh, not like the rest of coaches. Coaches want to win. That's how they keep their jobs. And coaches don't, they're not the people who should be making this decision. Now, I know that's the way the NCAA votes, and I understand uh, that there's a lot of politics in this thing, but I have uh, an awful lot, it's a real passionate issue for me, and, and I don't uh, I don't want to get rambling about it, but I see a real link to the family model that we had when we produced the Connors and the uh, Sampras's and the uh, Everts and the, all those kids that came along, uh, 
if you look at the top ten American players in 1975, the number seven, eight guys are McEnroe and Connors. I mean, the the quality of this thing that we have the best player uh, in the country right now is John Isner. I I know his coach. I watched him grow up. He had a local pro teach him. He had his parents looking after him. He played high school tennis. He went to Georgia, and he would not have gone to Georgia without a scholarship. And he would not I have been a pro player. I more, Tom. Uh, excellent points. I've often said, as a matter of fact, in my commentary last week, I talked about competition is not a bad word. It's uh, it's important, and I think part of the problem and today's society is too many people haven't competed. I think uh, Jim uh, Verdick, uh, well, you said how proud he is of you, and I, I'm sure he has been that. But I also think that if uh, Marcus Cicero was alive uh, today, uh, he'd be proud of you, too. I often think about what he says, and I think it's so important uh, for coaches, is what nobler employment or more valuable to the state than that of the man who instructs the rising generation. And, of course, I have my bias. I believe high school tennis is just so important. I think our next uh, generation of leaders, our college players, our PTR pros, our coaches, they're in high school now. And, unfortunately, I, I agree with you. I think the USTA competes against us just like they – some of the problems in college they haven't recognized. Uh, I agree with Coach Chuck Reese. I think we have uh, too many consultants there and not coaches making decisions. But uh, thank you so, so much for, you know, you uh, coming out and sharing your experience with everybody. And I didn't know about the Little Red Book because I'm 76, too, and uh, – uh, I always said I'm too young to uh, play uh, golf. When I get older, I'm going to take that up there. <laughs> so I did learn something about that. Uh, I, would you like to tell us a little bit more about the uh, North Carolina uh, Foundation and uh, you know how can people sit there and get involved and help? Yeah, I'd be glad to. Um, the, the, we have what we call the Tennis Association, and then we have the Tennis Foundation. The foundation really supports the Hall of Fame, and they do the money raising. And uh, um, they just uh, we had a gift of uh, half a million bucks from Mildred and Harold Southern, who are our real. They were the real patriarchs and matriarch of our uh, North Carolina tennis. Um, the foundation. Uh, has um, we we've done a remarkable job. The the thing, of course, that affected the foundation as well as all of tennis in our area was league play. When they developed the league play, uh, we got the women involved and found out they're they're better leaders than we are, and they helped uh, grow our whole uh, membership in North Carolina. And that's that's been a really productive idea. Um, we have uh, the foundation uh, sponsors our tournaments, our high school tournaments. They help fund that, and they um, uh, also put a, uh, along with that clinic I mentioned earlier. We have a have a um, statewide clinic that we had about 150, 200 coaches that came to, and I went to that this time with the book, and of course one of my former players 
is coaching at Elon now, and he put on the clinic, and I, I uh, um, tried to help the people know that that this, the book was free, and it's that you're supposed to be at your school now, so don't um, not pick it up or not find it. The the um, what has uh, emerged in my uh, this this is what really happened to me, John. I got a boy, two sons, and they made me aware of the cloud. And he said, Dad, you got a lot of u- unique information. You need to put it in the cloud and pretty much give it away. And so that's that's about what I've done. I, and and when it gets right down, I look at the dearth of, of high-level players in this country. They, they spent a half a billion dollars up there in New York, and if they don't do something, they're not going to have anybody to qualify to play in the tournament. So I think that it is – I think there's a link – uh, between what you're doing and kids going on and 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 learning in high school and learning how to uh, uh, earn a scholarship, gee whiz, scholarships and they cost a quarter of a million dollars, and it's so important for a person to to uh, to go to that sport. People say we don't have uh, the first line athlete in America, but let me tell you what's happening now. There's I call it the blowback effect. The Big money makers, football and basketball. Those kids, you know, we're you run up against a lot of those kids who are so big, so physical, and it's so dangerous to play uh, football now. That there are a lot of kids coming back, and I'm saying to tennis, to the USDA, these people are blowing back from from those two sports now. Um, there's some great athletes that can't play that sport anymore. So, but you've got to make scholarships available to them or they're going to go to lacrosse they're going to go to soccer they're going to go to um extreme sports or what's worse video games so i think the usda is in a prime position now to uh facilitate and 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 handpick some of these good people as they come back out of some of these other sports um they the 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 the, the conflict is that they say it's illegal to limit, or I, I don't say limit. I say provide uh, aid for our people first. And if we, if you don't have that scholarship thing, the thing you're trying to do, the link between family, local pros, tournament to junior tournaments for high school tennis to college. If you don't have that link from high school to college for scholarships, then all that stuff they're doing. You know, to be perfectly honest, American families don't want to send their children to academies. They got about three or four good players that they put all their time into. They got a half of the population are kids nobody wants to be in their homes, and they got uh, a bunch of very average kids that are paying a big ticket. And there's no parent there to watch after them to to make sure they get an education. So I don't think that we would be amiss to go back to the old model. Uh, and so what what I'm glad to have a, a voice about it, and I sound like a heretic, I'm sure, but what I think we ought to do is put pressure on both the NCAA and the uh, USDA. Now, they've come up with a high school coaching book. I tried to access it. I couldn't even get it to come up, so I, I don't know how good it is, but I know they're at least aware. They are aware now of several things. Wayne Bryan uh, the Bryan Brothers coach, as you may know, has put the issue of, of scholarships right on the front burner. My son said you need a what he called a guerrilla bureaucrat. 
uh, you can't do it yourself. And he's right. You and I can't do it from this radio program. We've got to get uh, a big-time, tough person to go to bat for high school tennis, to go to bat for the provision of scholarship for our kids. It, it's And it's the, the thing that's really serious about it is it's not just tennis. It's uh, it's happening in basketball. Think about all the kids we have, the minority kids that we have that are now being bumped from college basketball scholarships. That is not a small problem. We had Duke University. You take the ridiculous idea that you put Title IX in in 1970, and for our women, uh, 10 years ago, I would say to people, the best place for a young girl to go to, talk to their parents, take up golf. If you can shoot 85, you can get a scholarship. Duke University has finished one and two in the last two years, their women's team, and they don't have an American on their, squ- on their squad. So what did Title was Title IX geared to give uh, our girls scholarships to international girls? It doesn't make any sense. Um, the the um, uh, I, I noticed a, um, a local soccer team here who – 25 years ago, there was a Hispanic kid in this county. And now because of the uh, the fact that these people will take and do the really tough jobs, they've got a high school team here that is totally Hispanic. So uh, women's basketball, it uh, went from totally white to totally black overnight. Now, I, I'm not trying to be mean about any of that, I'm, but I'm saying that the scholarship link in this whole process is a very valuable thing to American citizens, and when our state I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. And I, but again, and we, I have a bias, uh, and we got to start start in high school, get them ready. When people don't send the best tennis players to high school, or the best, in in some cases, basketball, and that was my first love, and still my love, college. I, I don't watch the pros, but college basketball, I just love the game. But, uh, you know, the, when the USTA, and I think we've, you know, I agree with you, your voice and my voice isn't going to solve it. We need other people involved. But once your voice and my voice and other voices aren't Chuck, heard, Chuck Creasy's voice is a good voice. The USTA is not going to get involved, and I think it's because of our voices that the USTA just last year, I know I talked to the uh, president uh, a year ago in the PTR, two years ago, and she said she would uh, get involved, and I think we are. So, you know, God bless you for what you're doing, and uh, thank you for being on our broadcast and sharing that information and uh, I, with your permission, I will uh, share this broadcast on your site uh, as well as the other sites that it goes to because I think, you know, we don't know who that one or two individual out there is that's going to get there and maybe say it a little better than you and I do and get somebody excited, and uh, it's going to make a difference. But if we all stand quiet and do anything, I mean, it just amazes me for all these years 
I mean, you wonder what's going to happen to tennis. It's not going to be an American sport if the players aren't playing it in high school because if they're not playing it in high school, they're not going to begin playing it in uh, college. And if they don't play it in college, like you said before, that's where our great players came from. And now uh, many people say the better players ain't going to college. And I think that's a sin because we don't know who's going to be the next pro, look at the amount of money it costs. At least you get an education in college. So, God bless you. Know, the, you people, the people we and have I now have, that, that have finished before uh, I go on, I have to do some business, but if you take two minutes and just uh, finish up, I'd appreciate it. I'll be right here. Okay, go ahead. The, the next two minutes are yours, and then I have to do some uh, business. Oh, you're going to give me two here. All right, let me summarize a couple of things that I that I have said already. Uh, the first thing is that I have a lot of what I've done is geared at helping high schools and do, deal with helping college tennis. I have a blog. It's uh, www.tom.parham.com at wordpress.com. And I put a blog article on today for this program. Uh, it's called the International Issue, and I listed uh, about eight or nine of the best of those articles that deal with what we've been talking about. So if the people want to find out there's more to this than we've had time to say. So uh, if you want to go to that blog, uh, it has how to buy the book on it. Um, that's there. Uh, the other thing I want to conclude by saying is that the coaches voted at one time, 1990, to have a, a, a uh, the ability to save the scholarship money. The ITA, Intercollegiate Tennis Association, 73% of the coaches did that. The big-time coaches ran that away, and the way they did it, Coach, was on the basis of the law. But when I just wrote everybody in tennis and asked them to tell me where in the law the USDA has an article on this, and the only thing they say, in 1970, a track program uh, litigated, and they were, uh, it was found to be discriminatory to limit people. Now, that has, nothing's been done legally since 1970. Now, uh, at that, since that time, this thing has gotten all out of proportion. People say, well, we can't afford to take it to court. We got a lot of money in the USDA, but you got to convince the NCAA to do it. The NCAA's got a lot of money, but they don't care about anything but football and basketball. The USDA should walk right up to that courthouse step and say, "Why can't we do this for the good of our children?" Excellent point. Can you give that address of the blog again for those that missed it, please? Because that's important. It's got www.tomparham, pronounced param, but spelled P-A-R-H-A-M, at um, WordPress, W-O-R-D-P-R-E-S-S dot com. Well, Tom, I can't thank you enough for being on our uh, broadcast tonight. I encourage everybody to sit there and go there. Uh, uh, God bless you for all you've done and what you're continuing to do. 
And uh, I'm going to certainly recommend uh, our association look into uh, uh, what you're doing. And uh, maybe uh, if you're willing, we might be able to do something to share your book here because I think it's something – I don't think it's just for coaches. I think it's for players. I think it's for parents. I think you have advice that is good. And there's uh, today, let's face it, we all need help. We all need mentors. Uh, and uh, I just uh, really can't thank you enough uh, for what you have done and being willing to continue uh, sharing that. So, these are the these are the reasons that I think that we must keep ourselves abreast of what's going on. I told you at the beginning of the show I would talk about who we have on the Friday and Saturday, January sixth and seventh. Uh, we'll start off in the morning with Carl Put, uh, Putnam, a program director for Precy uh, School, uh, going to dynamic stretching. We have an excellent uh, PTR, USPTA elite uh, tennis pro, Ed Duffy, uh, who's also a USTA volunteer, will be doing some group drills, who, when, why, and where, which is important. And then the legend, uh, Chuck Reese, will join you, uh, join us uh, here, and he'll go through the drill progressions from A to Z. Uh, later on, after lunch, we have Scott Engie coming from Kansas again. Uh, we've been blessed to have him previously uh, with us. And matter of fact, last year when he couldn't come out to uh, Florida, he did a, a presentation for us for our uh, FHS TCA Tennis Team Coaching Certification. And uh, he will be here uh, talking on the uh, uh, serve and return strategies. And then um, after that, uh, at 3.30, uh, Coach Chuck Reese uh, will be returning, and we'll, his top will be, topic will be stimulating learning, addressing the last 20%. Uh, one of the criticisms I've had for years with the USTA, I think they do a great job of um, – getting people into the sport, uh, but uh, we forget about them after. Those are people that are in the top 100. What do you do with them? It's up to our coaches. Uh, uh, We can only afford to give so many scholarships. We have to make a a living, and we have to tell them you can't uh, afford uh, this sport, and, uh, you know, that is uh, terrible. So I think – uh, Chuck Reese's presentation is important because we have to look out for that 20% that's struggling and everything. And that's what our tennis team coaching is about. There's more than uh, coaching high school tennis than understanding how to feed a ball and stroke development. And uh, this is, if you've listened to what Tom just said, I mean, coming from a basketball and other sport. Uh, he was able to understand and do that. And those teachers coming in can do the same thing with the training. And then we'll end the day with uh, our FHS TCA Board of Directors meeting, and uh, President Janie Hollinger will be there. 
Saturday morning. We will start off with Mike Kuypers. Uh, he's the NHSAA tennis chairman, and, of course, he was one of our original uh, members when we started the uh, FHSTCA in Florida. And he will be doing drills to show up uh, what produced him 17 FHSAA state championships. Chuck Reese will return. Uh, and those of you that don't know, he's at the Citadel College now, and he'll go through the seven-step development. And then um, Scott Engie will uh, do another presentation on double drills and tactics. And being we weren't able to give our uh, Coach of the Year awards uh, in October because of the uh, Hurricane White Matthew wiping us out, uh, the, we will be giving the awards out to the coaches on noon that Saturday, but we're making them pay to get their uh, awards. They have to present one of their drills that they do at their uh, schools, and we will give out the 1A, 2A, 3A, and 4A FHSAA, um, FHS, TCA, Wilson Coach of the Year awards out at that time. So I think we've been, we have another outstanding agenda uh, for you. I feel blessed over the years to be able to uh, present such, um, I think, our uh Workshop equals any in the country, and uh, and it's not because of me. It's because of the great coaches that volunteer their time uh, to come every year. So I sit there and thank you for that. Um, I would like to thank Wilson again, a uh, big part of our organization. Wilson, will, uh, we will have a raffle there. Wilson will be giving away rackets and tennis bags and cases of tennis balls. Uh, again, uh, team uh, connection uh, uh, tennis, uh, our clothier uh, will be uh, there. Uh, hopefully, Jim March, we're in the middle of uh, football season, so we're at the end. We'll be able to be there because Florida uh, tennis is, uh, if you're not getting Florida tennis, shame on you, but you can go to our site and see the articles we uh, have, or you can go to uh, Florida Tennis has their own um, Facebook site now, and they are online now, so you can get, uh, you can always get the last issue there too, but you can always also get the last issue on our site, FHSTCA.org. John Denise Perspective, if I may, uh, I've Started this year talking with Coach Tom about uh, the competition not being a, a bad word. I like to just say, and this is something I ask myself daily. As a matter of fact, in front of my desk, I have notes up there, and I ask, "Are you a winner or a quitter?" And then, of course, the thing is, why? In our generation, and Tom's 76, I'm 76, going on, more 77. But in our generation, most of us competed. It was part. We were involved in different sports. It was the American way. It was not easy, and at times, uh, I, like others, took the easy way, which usually was the wrong way. 
Looking back, I sometimes ask myself, and I I do this about once a week because I look up on my desk and I see the notes up there, and it says, in what areas of your life did you like to stop quitting and start winning instead? And I think that's a problem we have today. I think the USTA point system is more about getting points and winning about than learning the game of tennis. And uh, there is no shortcuts. I think uh, Michael Jordan said that you're short the game, you're, uh, uh, you're going to short yourself. And I agree with him. I thought about when I refused to quit, why and how I was able to persevere. Because at other times we all think about it. Then the next thing I have on my desk said, what did I do to stay focused and move forward when I felt like quitting? And then recall a time when I quit. It's important to go back and think about it. And what times I regretted. What did I quit on? And I did quit uh, at times. And, uh, you know, why did I quit? Did I still want to achieve the original goal? Was that achievable because of that? So... I look back at that and reflect often. My fear is that given participation trophies rather than competing for success today, you face, our youth face many challenges we didn't, but some things remain the same. And competition is important. It's not a bad word. It's very, very important, and we need to compete. Success breeds success. Failure, unfortunately, feeds failure. In most cases, winners have no fewer challenges than the quitter do. They just made a decision to keep going. Their persistence comes from a deep desire to achieve and a strong connection to their goal or dream. I think about sports professionals who work to develop the mental toughness, push through the challenges, and they really quit on themselves or their team. Although I must admit, on the pro level this side and on the men's side, I felt, in my opinion, I did see some of that. And I think that's why I reflect on this, because I hope this isn't where we're going. So find someone to encourage you during tough times. Uh, I do all the time. I pray uh, I look to my wife, I look to my family, uh, Coach Chuck Reese, I talked about a great mentor. I look to him at times and other coaches. And, uh, Tom, I will probably be a pain because I will probably be contacting you in the future <laughs> because we all need help at some time. So uh, you have the last minute and ten seconds. Is there anything you'd like to close with? Well, I feel like I found a kindred spirit, and I want to thank you for doing the kind of job that you do, Coach. And without the, I call them tennis angels. They're out there, and those people will help you. We are, we are a, a band of people. We've just got to get collected and, and uh, everybody get them headed in the right direction. You mentioned the, your organization in the book, uh, John. I'll give you, I'll get you all the books you want. It, uh, even if I have to give them to you, you find out. Uh, I'll make that happen if you find people that review the book and think enough of it to want their coach to have it. I'll help Florida do that, and uh, you can count on that. Uh, I think the world of my my past uh, 
playing experiences with the Florida people down there. And when that NAIA was uh, California versus Texas versus Florida, that was a lot of uh, competition, as you speak. And uh, a warm spot in my heart for all those years and and young men. Uh, People talk about kids not being motivated or whatever, you know, but there's some great kids out there just waiting for a guy like you to pat them on the back, Coach. They're there. Well, thank you, Tom. I really appreciate you being on, and God bless you for all you do. Next week, our guest is going to be another author, Dave Beckwood. Uh, He has an interesting series of uh, books. It's the Will and Betsy Black Adventures, and he has a new book out. And um, I think you will enjoy next week's show, too. Tell your friends, have a blessed week, and I look forward to talking with you again next week. Bye now. Bye now. Okay, you want to shut them off, hon? No, I'm closed. We're through. Oh, you got five minutes? No. How come? Because of time, there's something wrong. It's over. The show's over. Oh. Yeah. No, that's all right. Nope. Nope, something's wrong. Something's wrong? Yeah, okay. I'm going to turn the phones off. Okay.